How many uh, have your Bibles with you? Turn to Acts chapter 2 if you do. We're going to look at that, start off with eventually, and then we're going to move into some other verses. But today, uh, we're going to talk about our mission as a church that is possible, and in the facet that we've been looking at, starting last week with um, worship, today we're going to look at ministry. Okay, ministry. So let me just start off by... Uh, asking you to imagine for a moment that the church were a business. If the church were a business, what would the business of the church be? Anybody? Souls. You guys have been listening. Souls for the kingdom of God. That's the business of the church. No. If that's the business of the church, then we continue to imagine this if the church is a business and the business is souls, then we are its employees. Get that? So you're already, keep staying with me on this. The business of the church is souls, the church is a business and we are its employees. And as employees, if you're uh, working, you know, not retired, and, and, and if, you, if you're retired, you, you used to work at a place and that particular place had an employee manual, did it not? Some sort of rules and regulations some sort of policies and expectations, some sort of guideline and benefits of the employment as we are investing our time and energies into that particular company. What would be our employee manual as a church? Anybody? You're holding it in your hands. It's the Bible. That's your employee manual. Now, without that manual that you're holding in your hands, the business of the church would be chaotic. We would all run rampant with our own ideas on how to run the company. We create much confusion and we would also severely hamper the church's effectiveness and efficiency as, as the church. So imagine that you're working for a company making cars. Just for just a moment, imagine that you're working for a company and they're making automobiles. But some of the employees there that you're working with decided, hey, I don't want to make cars. I actually want to make washing machines. Now, that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? We don't make washing machines here at this factory. We make cars. Without the Bible as our manual, we can stay unified. If we have the Bible as our manual, we can stay unified. We can stay focused. And we can know clearly what our objective and bottom line is. You see, the fact is, a car company makes cars, but the church is all about souls for God's kingdom. Now, every company has a CEO. The CEO is not necessarily the owner. Most of the time, it's not. They're hired in by the owner who says, we want you to run this company. Every company has a CEO, someone who's there running the show and making sure that the bottom line is always to stay in focus. Who would be the CEO of the church? It would be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, whom Jesus sent to come and manage things well until he returns. In fact, Jesus said this very clearly in John 14, 26. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit is here to help us to say, this entity, this living body of believers. It's all about souls. It's all about 
expanding the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is here to not only remind us of that, but also to empower us to do that very thing. So we have the company called the church. And we are the employees of that church. And the employee's manual is that precious living word that you're holding in your hands today. And the CEO of the church is the Holy Spirit who is overseeing us all along the way until the return of Christ. The thing is about that scenario that I just described, and I hope that I think that you'll agree with me on this. As employees in God's business, it seems that too many in the church focus not on his bottom line of the task at hand of souls for his kingdom, but rather on the benefits that they get along the way and the retirement plan of heaven one day. Many have set aside the core value and the bottom line of the church, which is souls, and have focused on things that are more self-satisfying and more self-serving. So let me ask you this question. If you were in charge of hiring for your company and you were in the company that you work for, you were in charge of the hiring process, would you want to hire someone whose main focus was their benefits and retirement? You know, I've interviewed some people over the years as pastor of this church. A lot of them either in college, getting ready to graduate, or fresh out of college in some regard. Not necessarily that, but a lot of them that way. And it seems that many are looking to start right at the top. They want all the smoke machines and the flashing lights, you know, and all the benefits and all the perks. Not many are willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work that it takes to make it, to make it work. It's pretty much, it feels like all about them. How much do I make? How much vacation time do I have? What are the perks? How much are the benefits? What about the matching funds of retirement? Hey, what's in it for me, right? Let me ask you this. Would you hire someone like that for your business if they came in and said, I want to know about the benefits, my salary, and all the perks, and that was all that they talked about. Would you hire them? No. I, I, I know I, I sure didn't. You know, that, that company, by the way, that you would be working for, and if you just hired a bunch of people that were all about the perks and the benefits, that, that company wouldn't be productive very long, nor would it be really around too long if perks were their main goal. So church, here's the thing. We have a job to do. And everything that we do should and must be connected to a soul. Hear me today. Because souls are God's business and souls are God's priority. And therefore, souls should be our business and our priority. Now, the benefits and the perks and the retirement plan are out of this world. Guaranteed as believers in Christ. No argument there, no debate. But along with the benefits and looking forward to our eternal retirement, there is a daily task at hand of souls for God's kingdom. So last week we began looking at why the church exists. Why do we come together here on a Sunday morning? Why do we gather together every Sunday morning for an hour and a half or so and worship Jesus and do all that we do? 
Well, we discovered in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, the fivefold purposes of the church. Last week, we established worship as the foundation. Today, we're going to look at ministry. In the next several weeks, we're going to look at evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship. That's the fivefold purpose of the church. Let's start in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and let's read along as I did last week. They, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In those verses, you see the fivefold purposes of the church repeatedly taking place. Worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship. As I said, we've established worship as the foundation of it all. Last week, we looked at that. Worship vertically unto God. Of the fivefold purposes of the church, worship is the only one that's vertical. The other four, starting today, are horizontal, going out to people. But last week we looked at worship being the vertical uh, purpose of the church that we get our source, our wisdom, our strength, our guidance, our help, all that we need through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Worship is not contained in a church service, by the way. When we come to worship, it doesn't mean that we're just here 90 minutes out of the week and that's all we do. Worship cannot be contained. Because worship is not an event. Worship is a lifestyle. You see, worship is not a dry religion exercise, but worship is an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, worship is not just singing a song. Worship is also dancing and shouting and celebrating and rejoicing in all sorts of different ways, just like you might have done when you went to the Panther game yesterday or what you might do when you're watching football today. When you go to a concert, when you go to a sporting event, you get all crazy, don't you? Because your team scores. You know how to celebrate. We have that in us to do so. So we should, must, need to celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's what worship is. Worship is not just singing. It's also praying. It's a daily activity of, uh, of just communication with him. Worship is taking that Bible of yours and studying it, consuming it, investing it, putting it right there. Remember we used that example last week of how in the Old Testament where they put God's Word in a little box and stuck it on their forehead. They still do that today. And it's kind of like, let's do that now. How can we take God's Word and keep it right here at the forefront of our, of our lives so that everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we think goes through the filter of God's Word to make sure thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's the idea of what worship is. All of this vertical unto God, and then he to us. Then it goes out from there, out of this vertical engagement with God. Us to him, him to us. These other four horizontal ones come out towards others. And when we have a vital relationship with God, then our, our service, our ministry, our fellowship, our evangelism, our discipleship will be vital. It'll be fruitful. It'll be powerful. It'll bring souls into God's kingdom. So today, let's look at the first horizontal activity of the church towards others, and that would be 
ministry. Write that down if you're taking notes, ministry. Now you hear people say, well, that person is in the ministry, the ministry. You would say that about me, Pastor Brian, you're in the ministry, implying that Maybe that person is full-time. It's a vocation that they have in some sort of capacity serving the kingdom of God, whether they're a pastor or a missionary or some other parachurch sort of organization that would be doing something to further and advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they do it full-time. Maybe that's in your mind thinking, well, that's what the ministry is. They may have a reverend in front of their name or some other title setting them apart as an official minister of the gospel. The church, I want you to hear me today. Ministry, being in the ministry, as followers of Christ, we are all in the ministry. I'll say that again. As a follower of Christ, when you signed on to receive salvation and forgiveness of your sins, you also signed on to be in the ministry. Now, when we hear the word ministry, it sounds like a very broad word. Ministry sounds very sweeping, doesn't it? It could just kind of mean a lot of different things. It's kind of an unspecific definition of it. And maybe many of us have different definitions of it. It can mean a lot of things. So just like last week when we defined what worship meant and defined it more specifically, let's do the same thing with ministry and define it and see how it might apply to us in our daily walk with Jesus Christ as employees, by the way, of the church of Jesus Christ. Ministry means in its original form, write this down, it means to serve. It means to serve. We can also say being a servant or having a servanthood, having a servant's heart, because we serve God in worship, and out of that service to Him, we serve others. And let me just make that more pointed, because when our worship is how it needs to be, then our service will be how it needs to be. I'll say that again. I don't want that to pass you by. When our worship is how it needs to be, then our service will be how it needs to be. So let me just stop right there because I want to do a little heart check. A little heart check here this morning. And I'm not talking about, you know, defibrillator and the whole thing with all that. I'm talking about our spiritual hearts, right? Before we dive any further into this this morning, let's make sure that our hearts are where they need to be. I want you to do a little heart check. This is between you and the Lord right now. I'm not thinking about any, anybody in particular, but this is something we all need to look at, including myself. Because I've seen many times how people, when they serve, they actually are doing it for their praise and for their benefit. Look what I'm doing, look how I'm doing it, and aren't I great? But by the way, that's not the biblical definition of servanthood. That's not what God's Word says about how we must serve. Biblical servanthood doesn't ever do things for the praise or the recognition of that person. It must always and only point people to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of myself. No. No. Do it all for the glory of God. We can't handle the glory. He can. And he also needs the glory. He doesn't need the glory, but he deserves the glory, right? So when a person is serving for their praise, for their pat on the back, for their recognition, 
if that be you today, if maybe that's in your heart, if that's kind of how you've been functioning over the years, then I would highly recommend that if you're listening here today, online or here in this room, that you would check your worship relationship with Jesus. Think about it. Because if this ain't right, this ain't right. Okay? Again, the foundation being worship, check your worship relationship with Jesus. Because when you have a correct, intimate worship relationship with Jesus, then you're going to have really more times than not, you're going to be more inclined to deflect the praise to Jesus. Hey, it's not about me. It's all about you. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, what we just sang about this morning. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Yeah. You see, Christ-like servanthood should never be to benefit or highlight self. But it, was always to, it should always benefit others. Always, always benefit others. And always, always glorify Jesus. Always. It's always and every time done in the name of Jesus. You see, servanthood, biblical servanthood, biblical ministry, biblical serving, it's selfless, it's humble, and it's others first in its approach. I think as we go through today's message, I'd ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to check your heart motive on why you do what you do. And make sure that you're not doing it for your, for your own praise or to be seen. But, also, but, but you should really make sure it's for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. Amen? So, so here's the heart posture that Jesus is wanting us to have. If, if maybe we're sitting there going, well, man, I, I kind of do like that pat on the back. I mean, that's the flesh and that's okay. We, we kind of understand that. But boy, if you just absorb it and say, yeah, that was me, wasn't it? And I am pretty great, aren't I? God's word says, how about let's look at it this way. The heart posture that Jesus wants us to have is this, and it's found in Matthew 20, 26, among other places, but this one is pretty clear. Jesus said these words, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. In other words, must minister, must serve, must have a servant's heart, must be your servant. Now, we know what a servant is, right? They come and they they take care of things for you as you sit there and expect that to happen, that sort of thing. A servant is one who's not served, but someone who serves, It's fighting. Here's what a servant does. And here's what a servant's heart does. A servant's heart fights for the back of the line. A servant's heart prefers others and defers themselves. They prefer others and they defer themselves. That's what a servant's heart is. A servant's heart outserves the other. Oh yeah, you did that? Well, watch me do that and then I'll call you on that and I'll raise you and I'll double it right? Not, not out of spite or ugliness, but it's just, you know what? I'm going to serve. And that's good that you're serving, but I, I want to do twice as much of that. You've inspired me to serve better and more. I want to be like that double. It's graciously and humbly representing Christ and all that we say and all that we do and all that we think with no thought of how it would benefit us. There's no ulterior motives. There's no hidden agendas. It's just purely for the glory of Jesus Christ. Jesus modeled this very thing for us. He never asked us to do, by the way, what he isn't willing to do or actually did himself when he was on the earth. Jesus' whole earthly ministry is one of serving. Matthew 20, 28 says this, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and gave his life as a ransom for many. Knowing the life of Jesus, how many would testify to the fact that he did absolutely that 100%, amen? Right. So he not only said that that's what he was going to do, he actually did it. And continues, by the way, 
to do it. Jesus is our model. Jesus is our example. So how did Jesus serve? Well, Jesus did serve the spiritual needs of the people. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. He ministered the word to people. He, he, he died for their sins. He restored all of us back to right relationship with God, the Father, through his finished work. I mean, that's the ultimate spiritual need, is it not? Thank the Lord that, that Jesus has ministered and continues to minister to our spiritual needs. But serving, ministry, by the way, serving is more than just spiritual. So yeah, a lot of times I think we approach ministries that was well, got to be, you know, this certain way. Not really. I mean, it needs to be that way that you're thinking, but let's add some stuff to it, shall we? And let's flesh this thing out because serving is more than just spiritual. Serving is also very practical because serving is physical. Serving is mental. Serving is emotional, vocational, financial. It's, it's all-encompassing. Let's look at this first with the physical. Uh, how did Jesus serve others physically? Well, let's think about this. When people were hungry... He multiplied the loaves and the fishes, did he not? And their physical needs were met. We saw that. When they ran out of wine at the wedding party, he turned the water into wine and met their physical needs. Those are a couple of examples. How about mentally? How did he serve people mentally? Well, when the demoniac was writhing in mental turmoil, Jesus cast out the demons and the man became sound of mind again. Remember among the tombs? He just was sound of mind. When he spoke to Nicodemus, he reasoned with him and his troubled mind. To educate him on what being born again meant. How can someone go back into the womb? Nicodemus was struggling, mentally trying to figure this thing out. And Jesus helped him to understand more fully God's plan of salvation. Kind of helped him over those humps mentally. Jesus ministered emotionally to people. After Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus ministered to Peter's emotional anguish and depression and restored Peter back to relationship with Christ. When the disciples were troubled with fear because of the storm surrounding them, he calmed the waves and said, peace, be still, not just to the waves, but to their emotions. Vocationally, how did he minister to people? Well, when Jesus passed by Matthew, the tax collector, he called him out of his vocational bondage and made him a loyal follower of him. One of the disciples, he did the same for Zacchaeus, by the way. And when the prostitute was caught in the very act of adultery, he said, neither I condemn you, go and sin no more. He says, stop working as a prostitute and go get a life serving me and honoring me with something that's honorable and respectable. He helped, them, he helped both of all those people out vocationally. Financially, how did he help out? Well, when they needed to pay their taxes, Jesus told the disciples to go and fish and pull the coin out from the mouth of the fish that they were to cash to pay the taxes. When they struggled to catch fish at the beginning when Jesus was calling them into ministry, into being a disciple, and they were struggling to catch fish, which by the way, they were fishermen. That was their livelihood. They needed to pay their bills, feed their families, take care of the stuff. And they weren't able to catch any fish. He said, throw the net on the other side of the boat. And when they did, they cast the net on the other side of the boat. You know the story. They caught a massive amount of fish at his word. Took care of them financially, did he not? So you see, serving is much more than just spiritual. Ministry is much more than just spiritual. It's all-encompassing. It's multifaceted. It's comprehensive in its approach because it covers every area of our lives. That's what Jesus did, and he's our example. And you've heard this phrase before. It applies to this message today because, you see, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you 
care. And selflessly serving others, caring for them, opens the door for us to tell others about Jesus. I think about Paul and the ministry that we have, the outreach this coming Saturday, for example, and the times we go out in different ways, you know, in an organized corporate way. I mean, you're giving them sandwiches and take care of some different things, toilet surroundings, what have you. They're open, aren't they? Like, you know, you care for me. Now I, I care about what you know, and then we can speak Christ into them. Because it's all about souls. It's all about souls. So the litmus test in what we do is twofold in our ministry and our service. Here's the litmus test. Write this down, please, if you're taking notes. This is important. First, in what you do, does it point people to Jesus? That's the first one. In what you do in ministry, does it point people to Jesus? Secondly, in what you do, does it proclaim the gospel? So in other words, as you're doing something, are you trying to say, hey, look at me and what I'm doing? Are you saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus? Secondly, are you just saying, hey, man, it's going to be all right. Here's some food, and I hope you, know, you get along well, and maybe I'll see you again with a sandwich next week. Are you saying, let me tell you some really good news? Let me tell you about what Jesus has done for me. And you begin to share your testimony, and you begin to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those two things is you're ministering to someone's spiritual, physical, financial, emotional, mental, all those needs that are there. Does it proclaim Christ, and does it proclaim the gospel? Does it point people to Jesus, and does it tell them the good news in all that you do? As we serve others in these capacities, do they see Jesus in and through us? This is so key to ministry and to serving. Because the last time I checked, there was only one person on the throne. The last time I checked, there was only room for one person on the throne. You see, Jesus is our hero. Is he not? Think about all these superheroes that are out there on these movies that are out there with all these Iron Man, Spider-Man, Superman, Wonder Woman, all these superheroes that can do all these magnificent things. By the way, it's make-believe. It's not real. The one and only true hero in all of history is Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. The one and only true hero in all of history is Jesus Christ. No, Tina Turner sang a song in 1985. I don't think I've ever mentioned Tina Turner in one of my messages, but today's the day. Today's the day. 1985, she sang a song that says, We don't need another hero. You remember that one? Yeah. The lyrics say in the chorus, We don't need another hero. We don't need another way home. And I will say amen to that. That is so true because Jesus is the only hero that we will ever need and Jesus is our only way home. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. All other paths lead to destruction, the Bible says, including the path with the road sign that says in front of us, this is all about me. The world is constantly looking for heroes. The world is constantly looking for people to rescue them. The world is constantly looking for people that they can look up to, that they can praise, and that they can place on a pedestal. But I'm here to tell you today that earthly heroes will come and they will go. Earthly heroes will disappoint you. Earthly heroes will not measure up. Earthly heroes will always fall short. 
because they're human beings. But Jesus, the Son of God, is none of these things. He will never leave us. He will never disappoint us. And church, Jesus will never fall short. Romans 10, 11, in the Amplified Version says it this way. For the Scripture says, whoever believes in Him, in other words, whoever adheres to, whoever trusts in, and whoever relies on Him will not be disappointed in His expectations. Jesus will not disappoint you. Jesus is the ultimate superhero of all superheroes. And he's real. He's not make-believe. You see, Jesus is the only one worthy to be praised in this story of creation. Psalm 96, verses 4 through 6 says, For great, great is the Lord, and most worthy to be praised. He is to be feared, in other words, revered, worshipped, respected, and honored. Above all gods, for all the little g-gods of the nations are idols, but the big g-god, the Lord of the universe, made the heavens and the earth. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary church. Jesus Christ is worthy to be praised for who he is and for what he's done. Let you give, can we give him praise today? Lord, we give you glory and we give you praise. Church, Jesus is the only hero that you and I will ever need because he's the ultimate superhero. And further, the gospel is the most profound truth and idea that the world has ever known. The gospel is the only idea that is ultimately and supremely profound. Now, over the centuries, there have been a lot of great philosophers, a lot of deep thinkers who have waxed eloquent with their scholarly thoughts and advanced just on in some knowledge of certain things to where we are today. Think about it. Medicine, astronomy, all the different places, inventions, the things that we... I mean, there's a lot of advancements that we've enjoyed. Not to disparage them. Thank God for modern conveniences and technology. There's also been a lot of brilliant scientists and inventors who've advanced mankind's abilities. And again, you just look around and see... A couple hundred years ago, people would have been amazed that you could just flip on a switch and light shows up. You know, jump in a car and go anywhere we want. On and on it goes. But church, there's never been any idea in all of history of mankind that tops the profound yet simple idea than this. And we sang about it this morning in John 3.16. We all know this scripture. I want you to say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, there's no greater need for humanity than this. Thank God for the light bulb. Thank God for air conditioning. Thank God for cars. Thank God for all the modern conveniences. But I thank God for the salvation that I can have through Jesus Christ. Amen? Because when it's all said and done, it's the most profound. It tops everything. You know, you can watch these TV shows that says, oh, the top ten most powerful inventions of all, uh, and ideas of all, of, all, uh, of all kind and all of history. You're never going to see the gospel of Jesus Christ there in the secular uh, list. But my list starts off with that and continues all the way down, and it's just pretty much everything in the top ten. Nothing tops the profound truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because, again, I'll say there's no greater need for humanity than the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
The gospel, which leads man to repentance, which leads us to restored relationship with God the Father through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's the gospel. It's the good news. Our gifts, our services, our ministry, our selfless giving of these things are given to us to point others to the ultimate superhero Jesus and the profoundly good news of the gospel. You see, ministry is where God has placed us. Ministry is the abilities that God has given us. Ministry is what God has called us to do. So what does that look like for you and me today? Just kind of narrow this thing down as we kind of start getting close to the airport to land this plane today. So where has God placed you is the first question that we want to ask. Where has God placed you? Do any of you live in Cincinnati, Ohio, Los Angeles, California, Seattle, Washington, Tokyo? Anybody? Where do we live? Where's God placed you? Boom. Right here. York County, this area, South Carolina, North Carolina, this is where we are. Where's God placed you? Right here. Now, that's not just, let's just make it more specific. What about your school? Students, as you're listening here in that room, God's placed you in that school, in that classroom, with your friends and that teacher, for you to be able to represent Christ well and to proclaim the gospel well at your school. How about all of us who are working in our workplaces? Where has he placed you to work? I mean, that's a specific place. Are you proclaiming Christ? Are you sharing the good news? Are you representing Christ well at your workplace? Are you ministering? Are you serving well? What about your neighborhood for those who don't work? What about those in your community, in the, in, in, in the, in the area where you live? What about, your, what about your family, your relatives? That's where he's placed you in a particular family, has he not? Your bloodline, your friends, your, your people that are relatives of yours, not just here that you can see, but also social media. What about all of your friends on social media? What about all these influences that you have? I mean, that goes all around the world, really. That's where God has placed you. What about, uh, what about this generation? God has placed you in this generation. It was no mistake that he placed you right here in 2023. I believe the terminal generation before the return of Christ. He could have had you be born 100 years ago. Some of you were. <laughs> okay, maybe not 100, but close for some of you. He could have had you been born 500 years ago. How's that? No. You were born in this generation, for su- as Mordecai told Esther, for such a time as this. Where has God placed you? Well, I'm in York County. Yeah, but I'm also in this generation. I'm also being able to represent Christ well and proclaim the gospel to minister, to serve in this time, in such a time as this. Now, what abilities has God given you in your life? That's varied and unique as there are people in the world. I mean, I can go through this whole congregation and say, well, I, you, you, someone say, well, I can do this, and the next person next to you says, well, I can do that, and it can be completely different. And I love how the body of Christ is. You know, some of us are an eye, some of us are an ear, some of us are a big toe, but all of us work together to proclaim Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there's varied and unique as there are people. Don't ever put God in a box, by the way, or his abilities that he's given you to bring glory to his name. Well, I can do such and such, but I don't know how that's going to proclaim and, and, and represent Christ. Let the Holy Spirit, the CEO, tell you how that can happen. You see? Don't say, well, I'm not a minister. I can't preach. I can't sing. But what can you do? What has he given to you in your hands to do? Let the Holy Spirit say, do this. 
and it will represent Christ well, and it will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let him figure out how you just make it available. Say, you've given this to me, I give it back to you. How can I represent Christ well and proclaim the gospel? How can I serve with what you've given me? Now, here's the third one, the question we ask, what has God called you to do? Well, that's simple. This is for all of us, by the way. This is not different for anybody. God has called all of us to win souls. That's easy. Where we are and what we have both point to what we do. And that is the primary focus of the church is to win souls. How many want to be, how many want to be wise? How many want to be a godly wise person in this place? Half of you. Okay, the rest of you, as you just want to be drooling idiots, that's fine. But you know what? The Lord wants us to be wise, does he not? Godly wise. Well, I guess I'll be wise. I don't want to be a drooling idiot. Proverbs 11.30 says it this way. None of you are drooling. None of you are drooling. I'm kidding. Drooling idiots. Proverbs 11.30 says this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who what? Wins souls is wise. Well, there's that. Lord, I, I want to be wise. So let me ask you again. How many wants to be wise? Yeah, see, there we go again. I almost got all of you that time. That's okay. <laughs> Win souls, be wise. Win souls, be wise. So hear me today, church. And I love you guys. Please, thanks for letting me give you a hard time. None of you are idiots. We're all brilliant. But ministry isn't the calling of just a few. But the privilege of all who are followers of Jesus Christ. It's the giving of our time. It's the giving of our talent. It's the giving of our treasure. To bless and help others. Pointing people to Jesus. Pointing people to the gospel of Jesus. All with the goal to increase souls for God's kingdom, which is God's business, is the bottom line of this corporation, which is the church of Jesus Christ. So what's the purpose of the church? Yeah, to worship, that's the vertical, that's the foundational. Then out of that uh, relationship, that ongoing, intimate, growing time with the Lord, we then selflessly serve. We minister. So we asked the question this morning, how can I serve you? I, in fact, I want you to say that out loud with me. It may, it may uh, not taste real good at first when you say it but hopefully it'll be a sweet, sweet, sweet taste as you say it. But all of us say this together. Say it towards me first. Say, how can I serve you? Now I want you to turn to someone and say that again. Yeah. Because by the way, you're not here to serve me. You're here to serve one another, and we're here to serve the Lord. Now, did that taste okay for everybody? Yeah. Because see, the idea is we're here to serve. We're here to minister selflessly giving of ourselves to represent Christ, not ourselves, and to proclaim the gospel. There's no ulterior motives to that. I don't want to say, how can I serve you so that I can get something in return? Now, I'm going to serve you because you can give me some position, some money, some benefit, something. No. There's no, there's no desire to be seen or glorified. I want to serve you, but I want to make sure others see me serving you. No, don't do that either. No. We don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, right? That's what the Bible says, right? 
The Holy Spirit can. And the Holy Spirit will help you as you yield to Him and ask Him for direction and opportunities. They're there right in front of you. I promise they are. Because you see, the Lord has a plan for your life. And He wants to use what God has given you to serve well for God's glory for souls for the kingdom. So listen to Jesus' instructions for when we serve. This is the words of Christ to us today in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Take heed. Take heed. That's a great sort of attention getter right there. He's like, hey, listen to me now. Take heed. Pay attention to this. That you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, don't sound a trumpet before as you're as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. That's our goal, is to just serve without being seen and serve without being served in return. The kingdom of God, church, is all about souls. Every charitable deed of serving we do is connected to a soul. As employees of the church of Jesus Christ, our job is not just to enjoy the benefits and look ahead to our retirement in heaven one day and thank God for those, but to be about our Father's business of souls for the kingdom. So here's a question I ask of you, and this is a very hands-on practical question that I want you to walk away with here today. And that is, how can you selflessly serve someone this week? I mean, putting legs to this message here today, putting hands and feet to this message here today, how can you selflessly serve someone this week? What do you have in your hand? Not something out there that you don't have, but what has he given you of your time, talent, and treasure that you can give to bless and to help others and point them to Jesus and proclaim the gospel. What ability do you have that can be fashioned for the glory of Christ? I can say this, if maybe you've never done an outreach before, this Saturday at 10 o'clock, 11.30, and it's going to be at the park. We're going to be right at the park. Paul, stand up for just a second and tell everybody what's going on. Yeah. Is your, is your information in the bulletin? Okay, if you can get a bulletin, if you don't remember anything else, just know I'm taking a bulletin, I'm going to call Paul this week, and go and help. You don't have to do anything, but you can just give people sandwiches. You know, you can just, that's all it takes. I mean, just, just be there and love on these people. And you're going to find that, it, it, that you can get over that sort of fear and that kind of hump and that sort of, you know, I really don't know if I want to have time to do this or want to do this. Just do it. Just force yourself. Say, I'm going to do this. And show up and serve selflessly. Represent Christ and it give you an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. Paul will be glad to point you in that direction. Uh, and, and there's cer certainly much more opportunities than that, but that's a perfect example of what we can be doing. So as the Lord, I just ask that you would ask the Lord to show you how you can selflessly serve someone somehow this week. And by the way, as it relates to our Life Together groups, which is what our focus is for the, for the next several weeks here, there's so many ways that you can serve, selflessly serve, you can open up your home to a group. You can prepare a snack or a meal for the gathering. You can give of your time and talent and treasure to minister to the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual needs of the group. There's so many things that you can do to minister to one another in these Life Together groups. Uh, join a group this week. Jo join a group 
sometime soon, or mark your calendar for September the 10th and say, okay, I'm going to get through the summer here, but on September the 10th, on, uh, we're going to have this on-ramp Sunday on September the 10th. We're going to have booths out here, and at the end of service, man, we're going to let you have an opportunity to sign up. We've done these before, uh, an on-ramp Sunday on September the 10th that says, you know what, I want to be part of a, a Life Together group where I can minister and serve well. I just want you to determine to start your, and maybe, maybe even not just join a group, maybe you can even start a group. See Pastor Kathy for that one. The lady was up here just a moment ago. She can help you with all of this. But folks, whatever it is that we do, let's be the church. Let's serve one another. Let's serve our community for the cause of Christ, for, for souls for the kingdom. Let's be the church. Let's minister well. Let's serve well to expand the kingdom of God this week. May what you do this week point people to Jesus. And may what you do this week give opportunity to proclaim the gospel. How about it? How about it, church? How about it? Would you stand with me this morning? Father, today we thank you for this practical, inspirational, challenging message today. It's a reminder to us of why this church exists. Why we exist as the Big C Church, the body of Christ. Father, help us to serve you well. But let it start with our relationship with you. Lord God, if if you would just help us to press into you this week more and more that that worship experience that we have is not contained in these 90 minutes that we gather here on Sundays but it's, it's, it's a daily ongoing intimate vital relationship with you that is that vertical sort of sweet sweet growing relationship with you and Lord out of that we can boy we can serve well we can represent you very effectively we can selflessly serve and minister in all of the different capacities that you've given us with the end result being as the business of the church souls for your kingdom lord i pray this week that we would be able to share the gospel with someone that we would lead someone to you this week lord jesus that we would be able to say the sinner's prayer with someone this week that we would that we would step up to the plate and say hey do you know jesus can i pray with you would you like to accept jesus into your heart as lord and savior as lord as we plant and water and others are planted and watered in their lives that you would help us to step in and see the harvest in, in, in people's lives this week that we would lead someone to you this week that we would reproduce christ Lord, I pray for fertile spiritual wounds in each one of us this week, that they would come alive and that babies would be born in the kingdom this week. Through our availability, through our service, through our ministry, through our selfless representing you, Lord Jesus, and sharing the gospel. Lord, we thank that as we share the gospel, you're going to bring fruit to it. You're going to bring increase to it. Help us not walk in fear, to not walk in doubt, to not walk in insecurity, to not walk in complacency or anything that would keep us from stepping in to say, wait a minute, I'm in this business called the church. I'm an employee and the business of the church is souls. I need to be about my father's business of souls this week. Stir our hearts, Lord God, to that purpose, we pray. Now with every eye closed and head bowed, if maybe today, well, I wouldn't be much of a pastor if I didn't give you opportunity to receive Christ today, would I? After this message today, I hope I've represented Christ well. But I want to tell you the good news of Jesus Christ. With every eye closed and head bowed and every Christian praying, because souls are hanging on the balance right now. I want you to know that 
yeah, you've sinned. We've all sinned. The Bible says that. And all fallen short of the glory of God. But see, Jesus knew that we would never measure up to God's holiness and that level of holiness that he needs us to be. You see, sin entered into our lives when Adam and Eve broke that relationship with God in the Garden of Eden back in the book of Genesis. Read it. Jesus came not long after that through the course of time and he lived his life as God's son. He is God's son. He gave, God gave his only begotten son. We just read that in John 3, 16. And Jesus lived a pure, sinless, holy life. And he became that sacrifice for your sin. He shed his blood so you wouldn't have to. He gave his life so you wouldn't have to. Because you see, God requires shed blood. If you read the Old Testament, God requires that shed blood for the remission of sins. We, the church, the uh, the people that follow God, we could never measure up to that. Jesus says, I got this. So he came and he died for you. He shed his blood for you. And he gives us opportunity to be restored back to right relationship to God the Father through his finished work. He is the bridge. If sin is the chasm, we're on one side, God's on the other. Jesus is the bridge that connects us to God. You can't do it any other way. You can't fly over. You can't crawl under. You can't dig your way through. You got to get on the bridge of Jesus Christ and go over. And God's right there with open arms saying, won't you come? Won't you come? He's done everything that he can do to give you opportunity to be restored back to right relationship with him. The next step is yours. You open up the door of your heart. And the Bible says, as he's knocking on the door, he says, if you open up the door, I'll come in and I'll sup with you. I'll have a relationship with you. I'll forgive you of your sins. I'll wash you clean. I'll restore you back to right relationship with God the Father. That's what he'll do. But you have got to open up the door because the knob's on the inside. He's not going to force himself in. He's not going to manipulate this. He's just saying, I'm knocking. Won't you open the door? At home today, if you're watching this, here today in this building, if that's you today and you need to ask Jesus in your heart, you've messed up, you're a sinner, you know that you're headed you're headed to hell if you don't receive Jesus. And by the way, there's no do-overs. You're not going to get this right the second time because it's just one time. You have one life to live. And by the way, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Doesn't matter how old or young you are, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. I don't want to try to scare you, but I'm just saying you never know. Today is the day, the Bible says, of salvation. Today is it. Not tomorrow, not next week. I just want to encourage you today. You've tried it every other way. You've run after the things that the world has offered. It's fallen flat. All your heroes have failed you. Today, Jesus will never fail you. He's the superhero of your life. Won't you invite him in and let him wash you clean of your sins, make you new, restore you back to right relationship with God the Father, and then grow in a relationship with him from this day on. The benefits are great on this earth. (laughs) The retirement plan is out of this world. But I tell you what, you've never lived a life until you've lived a life for Jesus Christ. Won't you just ask Jesus in your heart this morning, just say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. I want to ask him in my heart. I want to say that prayer in just a moment. Just lift up your hand and put it right back down. We'll pray together. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? I, I, I need Jesus in my life. I need to maybe rededicate my life to him. Yes, I see that hand over there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe you just want to rededicate your life to the Lord today. You know, I just, I straight away, I've done things that he's, that I know are not pleasing to him. I I want to rededicate my life. If that's you today, lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I just want to make sure I'm where I need to be with Jesus. Yes, I see that hand. It's three. Anybody else? 
I just want to rededicate my life. I want to give my life to Christ. Today is my day of salvation. Yes, I see that hand. That's four. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Come on, church, pray. Holy Spirit's moving in this place. Holy Spirit's moving in this place, moving in hearts. Anybody else today? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give praise to, to, to the Lord, church. Just begin to worship Him. Don't clap. Just, just praise Him. Just worship Him. And let's just keep reverent here, but just worship. Anybody else? Lift up your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Wave at me. Say, I need prayer. I, I need Jesus in my life. Okay, there's four of us. Okay, church, let's all pray this prayer, whether you raise your hand or not. The Bible says you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God's Son. You believe in your heart that He was risen from the dead. You will be saved. Not might, will be saved. 100% saved today, by the way. No question about it. All pray this prayer together when you're watching this at home or whether you're here today in this room. Let's all pray this prayer out loud. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Come live in my heart. Wash me clean and be the Lord of my life. I want a relationship with you. Starting today, starting right now, walk with me, talk with me, help me to serve you, to represent you, to honor you and all that I say and all that I do and all that I think. I thank you, Jesus that I'm now born again. I'm washed clean of my sins. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I'm restored back to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Now, church, let's give Him praise right now. Let's give Him praise. Let's thank Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Holy Spirit, as the CEO of this church, we pray that you would fill each one of us right now empower us right now help us to go out from this place and be the church Lord that we would represent you that we would fade away and that you would be glorified and that it would give us opportunity as we serve and minister where we are with what we have that we would share the good news the gospel of Jesus Christ give us fertile spiritual souls to make a difference this week and lead someone to you Lord Jesus Holy Spirit you're our CEO. We give you that permission to empower us, to speak through us, to do what you want through us. We give you our beings to work through us to glorify Christ and represent him well. And all God's people said amen. And all God's people said amen. And all God's people said amen.